Welcome to the Masters of Comic Books podcast, where we're two fanboys with all the power. I'm your player one, Cole L. And I'm your player two, Dayspring. What's up, Familia? Jean Grey, issue one by Louise Simonson and Bernard Chang is finally here. And we got feels. We got to discuss it. And of course, to discuss these feels, we had to bring in the big guns. My co-host over at Masters of Comic Books. Cool. What is up? Hello. What is up? <laughs> I'm the big gun. <laughs> You're player one, bro. Hell yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? What's going on, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've been reading comics like always. That's all. <laughs> I do now is just read comics. So, following Fall of X, kind of enjoying it. It's a mess, but still enjoying it to a point that I love it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How excited are you for Jean Grey issue one? Have you been literally anticipating this title for like months? Maybe not as much as you, but <laughs> I, uh, I love Louise Simonson. I'm a huge fan of her work. I've read some of her oldies stuff. I mean, she was a uh, huge front runner with the uh, Triangle Era for Superman. So that's where I know her most of her work from by uh, uh, introducing uh, Steel during the Death of Superman stuff. Um, X-Men is a little iffy. The only stuff I've read of hers from the X-Men, unfortunately, is the uh, Inferno uh core issues and everything but that was mainly because you did the book club for it a week a year or two ago but anything she did with like x factor or new mutants is still very iffy with me unfortunately but yeah i'm here with you who is the knowledgeable man of that <laughs> i mean listen i eat breathe and like everything jean gray um louise simonson my love, she was obviously really key for the X-Men in the 80s. She defined a lot of what happened with Jean, Madeline, and the Phoenix. You know, I, I'm always apprehensive when some of these legacy writers come back to the books. And I'm just like, yeah. uh, like, like for example, I'm a huge Joan Didion fan, right, on the literary front. But I don't want to see Joan Didion writing about today's world. I, I loved mm -hmm. how she wrote, you know, during her time and period. So with Louise, I was kind of apprehensive about having her come back but i think her writing and her understanding of jean gray as a person is incredible I'm, I'm i was very happy with that aspect of the issue yeah it's very surprising because marvel's been is really for some reason is really honing home on that like nostalgia sort of taste and so they've been doing like those mini series like uh you had uh, what's his name? Howard Mackey on Danny Catch, Ghost Rider, or there was a new Fantastic Four by Peter David. They've been doing that a lot on the X Men front too, with like X twenty three and Storm right now. So Extreme it's X Men, exactly. So it's very surprising Legends. that they're. It's very surprising that they are. Uh, bringing in some of the older writers. I mean, it's great they're getting uh, work and stuff, but surprising that they're doing this for like the fall of X and stuff. So, it's yeah. It, it could be, I think the downside of that is it takes away the chance to bring in new readers for Jean Grey because I might have had some like hard follows 
with this uh, issue because I'm not so in tune with the Jean Grey history. And so like my continuity so far with that is pretty, it's pretty weak. I will admit it's pretty weak. So I'm up two minds with this one. I think well, I was talking to someone on the back end, someone who always is sort of like our source and gives us a heads up on things. They talked yeah. about some of the issues they've done, like with X-Men Legends, Extreme X-Men, Storm. And they do that because I think the higher ups want to make sure that there are new readers who can still access the X books. But I, I don't think they understand that those aren't as accessible as one would think it is, nor mm-hmm. do they capture the interests of diehard X readers like myself. Like I, I, I we love Anne Nesenti here on the podcast, but I'm probably going to read storm after the fact, you know, when I have a longer flight and all the issues are complete and stuff like that. It's... I would, I've read the first, I've read an issue or two. It's like, it's not bad. It's just like, I can't get into it at all. You like know? if this isn't t- pertaining to like fall of X or any of the crack stuff, I'm just going to, not worry about it. And, you know, historically, Marvel has always released like X-Men Origins, Jean Grey, or they've done like an anthology issue where they do one page, you know, summaries of each of the characters to sort of, you know, help new readers. But it, we live in an age of Wikipedia, TikTok, Instagram, UncannyX-Men.net. Well, and, and the uh, streaming platforms like Marvel Unlimited. I mean, yeah. you can easily access all that at just the yeah at your hand. So you don't need you don't need to do series like this anymore where it's like to get new readers. I mean, Mm -hmm. like us, we just picked up an issue one day and we were so enchanted by what we read that we followed the thread. You know, we pulled on the thread and and we sort of went into deep end and found our way out of there. So, you know, Mm -hmm. the the one thing I, I can just say about Gene, though. Gene Gray issue one is that I'm very surprised it reads more like a what if tale and not a origin story because this is not Jean's origin story. This is definitely Jean dead looking at a seminal moment in her life and playing it out differently. And it pertains nothing to her origin pertains, nothing to an overarching plot. And then at the end, she kind of like burns it away and then goes on to presumably her next seminal moment that she's going to see play out differently. Yeah. Is that how each issue is going to play out? I mean, I I mean, that's what I'm after reading this first issue. That's what I'm kind of, uh thinking the rest of the series is supposed to be yeah i think that's what's so we know issue two is going to deal with you know what if with the phoenix you know and dark phoenix and i think if i remember correctly we've outlined it before but i think it's going to see if the phoenix went to someone else and then the third one is going to be gene versus madeline so the first three out of five issues it's going to be her revisiting the phoenix force and then everything that's going on with madeline um again i don't know we will get into it as we go through the issue but i don't know why they chose this route instead of doing a straight up like gene revisiting her entire life i i'm on the fence if i like this better as a what if or if i would have liked to have seen ghost gene revisit her past as it happened and her meditate on it and sort of do that origin story as you were just discussing i don't I have to see the entire series, you know, play yeah, out first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that because this, before we really get into it, it just doesn't feel like it has a sense of direction yet, if that kind of makes sense. Like, there are a lot of like nods a, and homages here that I, I am lot, really happy yeah. about. Yeah, but it just doesn't, like, when I finished it, I'm like, okay, what did I, 
I didn't, I didn't feel like I learned anything. I just learned it was like a sort of, yeah, like a big what if story. Nothing happened. This is where I wish we had a strong editorial arm who would have been like, Louise, you're doing such a great job with Jean's voice. You're doing such a great job capturing the essence of Jean Grey. This is a really cool idea. But we we needed to read a little stronger, you know, take that red editorial pen and be like, don't do a what if, do this. And what are we trying to say with this with Gene? You know, I don't know what we're supposed yeah, to but... get from this issue, as you said. Yeah. Don't get me started on stuff like that, though. I get really... <laughs> I, I Marvel's a mess and it's kind of frustrating. Oh, it, it's extremely frustrating. But I want to know because in all of our years of friendship, I don't know if I've ever really gauged your Jean Grey, you know, meter. Like, how do you feel about Jean as a character? What are your overall thoughts of Jean? Uh, the reason you don't know a lot of this is because I'm trying to avoid that. <laughs> but uh... I know, I know I tried not to show my crazy Jean stuff when we were doing Masters <laughs> of Comic Books, because like you would be literally like, okay, I'm into my way out of this conversation. Goodbye. I mean, you kind of well, saw it with yeah. Wanda. You saw it with Wanda. Oh, I saw, I saw it when you were talking about Gwen Stacy and like Mary <laughs> Jane and stuff. When we were just talking about <laughs> Spider-Man Beyond. So I remember that. <laughs> but uh, I thought I like Jean as a character. Uh, I'm not as heavily in tune like with her history or her continuity. Like I've read um, like I read read uh, Phoenix Resurrection by Matthew Rosenberg. I liked her in that. I read um uh, Grant Morrison stuff, um, like to to her death, but nothing else. I I also read a uh, oh yeah, I read a uh, Dennis Hopeless's uh, uh, Jean Grey series, which I really liked. But I like that a lot too. Yeah, because like all I've read is like the ones that I really remember of Jean Grey are from the series. Oh yeah, Next Men Red. Maybe I have read more. <laughs> <laughs> You've definitely but read I, all of her contemporary stuff. I guess so. I read the important stuff that yeah. um, is most well known. And I really liked her in those. Um, so, yeah, I really like her as a character. And I think it's just been, it's a huge, for me, it's always been hard to follow. And it's kind of a bit of a mess. It's hard to kind of enjoy it all together, though. You know what I mean? Because you have like the, when, like the Jean Grey series where she was brought back from the the 60s X-Men and stuff. And then like comparing that to like the adult uh gene from like grant morrison stuff and when she was resurrected and back with red and everything i haven't read that all like cohesively together mm -hmm. but from what i remember i remember enjoying it and everything and usually i just use wikipedia stuff to kind of fill me in well i i will say from phoenix resurrection through x-men red they don't really streamline the phoenix mythos like greg pack did in phoenix and song I think if you read Phoenix and Song, you'll have a better understanding of how all the Phoenix mythos sort of stream together. But at this point, that issue or that series, excuse me, came out almost 20 years ago. And it is the only example of a series that was able to take everything that happened in Gene's history and make it a cohesive story. Since then, they've there's a lot of discrepancies, right? Like at the end of Here Comes Tomorrow... Gene is very much alive in the White Hot Room and pushes Scott to be with Emma. But then in Tom Taylor's X-Men Red Annual, Gene says, I was Phoenix, I burned bright, and then I was dead. Right? So, you know, we know Gene wasn't dead, dead, but, you know, their stance has now been that she was dead in the interim period, even though we had manifestations of her in Phoenix Song and AVX, for example. 
to name a few. So the, the Phoenix mythos is wildly inconsistent. My my hope, especially with some of the what I'm hoping are seeds planted by Louis Simonson, my hope is that the series is going to bridge some of that. Because one of the things that frustrated me endlessly about Phoenix Resurrection is that there's no real reason why the Phoenix resurrects adult Gene or why it wanted teen Gene. I mean, Gene was dead editorially for 13, 15 years, whatever it was. And now all of a sudden the Phoenix wants her back. There, There is no reason as to why. And I hope the series will be like the Phoenix resurrected her because it knew something big was coming and it knew that it was going to have to bring Gene back in order to protect the mutants. Yeah, and I feel like what uh, I think some of this intention of the series is to kind of bring the Phoenix more to the forefront for Gene and the X-Men because um, the last time anyone has seen the Phoenix is when Echo had it and Boy, that made so many people happy in Jason Aaron's Avengers. <laughs> I know you're being sarcastic there. <laughs> oh, so, so sarcastic. I know so many people hated that Phoenix tournament. I loved it, but I hated the Phoenix tournament. <laughs> I know. I think did we, I don't think we were friends yet. We went on Legion on Zoom, their podcast, and we reviewed it with them. And listen, Mortal Kombat with the phoenix i'm all for trust me i love two things i love in life mortal Kombat and phoenix it didn't land <laughs> as well for me i neither here nor there for echo having the phoenix i mean I, I i'm far more upset about the phoenix being thor's mom than i am of echo having the phoenix oh yeah in that too <laughs> yeah i i'd rather have i just rather have the phoenix be a mutant thing right just pertaining specifically to the x-men and instead of expanding the mythos of the phoenix streamline it for for people like you 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 should be so excited that gene is with the phoenix i mean when i was growing up the phoenix force was like this big cosmic entity when it showed up you knew something big was going to happen now it's kind of like i think scott Mr. Scott Free said it. He's here like it's a cosmic STD now. And like yeah. anyone can get it. And now you're like, oh, why did I get it? This is just destroying my life. Let me pass it on to the next person. And I would say know. AVX kind of ruined that. Oh, yeah. Well, AVX was just a lot of false promises to a story that started with Messiah Complex. And we thought it was going to culminate with a big X-Men story. And then the Avengers because they were so popular in the MCU, kind of hijacked the story, and it's mm-hmm. it kind of messed up uh, the flow. But I will oh, say... It's just I've, a big marketing ploy. I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, I, I will say the one good thing about AVX is that as an IP, the AVX IP has aged nicely. I'm sure one day if the MCU can get back on track, people would be so excited to have Avengers versus X-Men in the same way that they would be so happy to have House of M. I doubt it. But the story... The story really sucks it's not a well-written story no it sucks and it's long yeah it's very long it's 12 issues and it's inconsistent too many times yeah. well and it's inconsistent because you have what four or five writers on it because mm-hmm. it because like hickman's on that uh jason aaron is on jason that. aaron yeah. that's uh matt fraction uh mm-hmm. bendis and there might be one more that i'm missing but it's, it's weird it's weird like it, it, it's so weird I listen, my my main grievance with AVX is 
why didn't the Phoenix Five attempt to repower the mutant race? That was why they believed the Phoenix was coming. That's why they were waiting for Hope to get it. They got the Phoenix. It could have just been a throwaway line where they were just like, oh, we can't do it. For whatever reason, we can't do it. So we're going to try to improve the world. They never mm-hmm. addressed the fact that they the, the, the mutants wanted the Phoenix. The mutants very well kn- knew very well that the Phoenix is a global threat, but they were willing to risk that global threat because they believed the Phoenix was coming back to repower the mutant race so why didn't they try to repower it that's it that's uh, it could have been just a throwaway line and i would have been fine with it but ah, it okay no you know, we're do... not we're gonna turn it to a rant stop <laughs> it sorry i'm sorry i'm so sorry wait i, I, I want to know more about your feelings of gene um yeah. gene was scott or scott with emma i'm in two minds about this because growing up i watched the movies and it was always scott and gene but then when i started reading comics it was always basically scott and emma because that's all i've read because for most of the x-men stuff that i've read gene was dead mm-hmm. and never really with cyclops so mm, i'll probably say scott with emma because i'm more in tune with it i guess you know like i'm i'm more comfortable with it and i kind of like emma more than gene honestly mm. as a character that's just my take i uh, i like scott with emma i think scott and emma work very well together i think morrison they told a really good story of why scott and emma should be together and why gene had transcended human emotions and the need to have human relationships because she was quite literally the white phoenix of the crown she was a god and i love that story character development before between them too because that really built up emma's character from being like just a villain to like a very complex character that has a lot of conflicting emotions and um just a lot of history that she's kind of like kind of trying to make up for and everything which i really like i I agree with you and i think putting someone like gene is kind of like this is why I like Jean in the White Hot Room as White Phoenix operating on the cosmic level, because she's sort of, I don't want to say near perfect, because I don't think that's a fair way of looking at her character. But <laughs> I think she she is the kind of person who walks into a room and she's going to get everything resolved in the most honest, powerful way. It's kind of like this big force that comes in. Emma is a little bit more like you know duplicitous with her with getting stuff done she has a good heart and she's trying to get stuff done but she's going to go by any means necessary right and that will that will cock a couple heads so i think from an editorial standpoint emma's a little bit more interesting versus with scott where scott's more of a boy scout and gene and scott together are a little bit too perfect you want sort of those Mm -hmm. imperfect couples coming together yeah you kind of need that conflict otherwise it's just the perfect like you said the perfect couple which i agree with. So, do you have a favorite Jean Grey costume? What's your favorite Jean Grey costume? Favorite Jean... I honestly really like the X-Men red armor. Like, that you would... See. I, I love that, honestly. It's Everyone loved it when it came out. Mm-hmm. I liked I wish the they variation. could have kept it into the Krakoa era. So, those early pages of, the, of Pepe Larraz... When House of X was coming out, those early like sketches, Gene was in the X-Men red armor. And then they switched it for whatever reason to the Marvel Girl armor. What? Probably for nostalgia feeling, but yeah, there was this forget about this weird age of X-Men is basically what they were trying to do. I bet you a million dollars. Yeah, they so 
Hickman had said in an interview, why is she in that costume again? It w- Think about the last time she wore it. And of course, when we were just finding out about, you know, House of X and Krakoa, that the mutants can back up and not only can they back up, they can back up earlier versions of themselves. So we thought at the time that Jean had backed up a pre-Phoenix version of herself but that quickly went out the door because when she sees storm after being resurrected she remembers an x-factor moment during inferno Mm -hmm. where they sort of reunited so you know i love the x-men red costume i wish they would have kept it there was a variation of it in the giant size jean gray and emma frost or was it emma frost and jean gray whatever um issue where it was kind of a green and gold version of that and i wish that would be the main costume oh i gotta look this up oh my god it is cool it is one of the most gorgeous costumes I have ever seen on Jean, and it was illustrated by Russell Dodderman. It looks so good. Oh, damn. If it's by Russell Dodderman, then I should have used it. Let's see. Let's see. Let's look it see. up. Let's look see. it up. Look it up. Look it up. Oh, that's so cool. I love I that. I know. I know, right? So did Dodderman design the costume? I don't know why. I, I don't know. I don't know why she appeared in that. Um, Dodderman. Because well, it says. Well, because it says Ivan Coelho did the uh, was the cover artist for that for that variant. Wait, let me see which. which let me see which image you're looking at. This one. Oh yeah, yeah. For that variant cover, it was, but for the main cover and the interior art, it's Dodderman. Well, that. Oh wait, I'm a freaking moron. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know what I'm doing. It's been a long. I mean, day. listen, dude. It's Jean Grey. I mean, nothing's the same week to week. So. That's okay. true. I forgot about that. Yeah, because I even have that cover for that Hickman omnibus. But yeah, um, yeah, I wish they would have gone with that, or at least done like people always have like have a dozen costumes, and then they wore one for this issue, and they wore the next one for whatever. I don't know. Should we dive into the issue? Go right ahead. All right. So we open up with a shot of Jean, and she's looking really out of it. It's just her face and her upper body and her her long flowing all of her hair. hair. All her of her hair is locks. everywhere, everywhere. She got the Jean Grey hair in this it's in beautiful. this opening shop, and she says, "I'm dying, but there's nothing new in dying. At least for me, been there so many times before." Just <laughs> <Yeah>. very true. <laughs> um, she goes, she goes, but what about the others? I know there are others, just don't have a clue who they are. And time is running out. Do I know this or is it just a feeling? Never mind. Forget what I don't know. Move on to what I do know. This is my fault. It has to be. Why else would I be here? So what did I do wrong? Think, try to remember. If I can understand, maybe I can fix everything. And then boom, Mind Maze, which is the name of this issue, is right there. Uh, at the bottom of the page. And what we see is this splash reminiscent of all new X-Men issue five, where Jean reads Hank's mind. And it's a splash of Jean's different memories, her life everywhere from when Annie got hit by the car to baby cable being in her arms to Madeline Pryor to dark Phoenix to the O five to her learning her powers. And Jean is thinking that something happened in her past. And she's going to have to fix everything um, based off of this one moment. And it's going to help her save everyone on Krakoa and thereby, you know, sidestepping the massacre. So she thinks it's a moment that the O5 
go back to the pass and teen jeans like i'll see you guys on the other side and mind wipes everyone or she doesn't mind wipe them she locks their memories to be unlocked one day is how they explained it in ed person's exterminator um was it exterminator or extermination i think it's extermination extermination yeah extermination so gene you know ghost gene like cradles teen gene and sort of you know makes her decide otherwise and they're going to keep their memories of their time in the present and so what happens is they go to a danger room session and they're able to easily plow through the danger room session because of everything they know in the past everything they've been through and xavier comes in to be like oh magneto is attacking manhattan but gene's like i already knew that and he's here like of course you do you seem really powerful and she's here like oh dur all those psychic breakers you put in my mind they're gone now and i have a complete mastery of my power <laughs> and she's here like overnight and she's here like Shh, don't worry about it like don't, just don't worry about it <laughs> me operating at full strength we'll can be only back. be a good thing yeah i know man she like totally gaslighting xavier here which i yeah. love <laughs> so they go to face magneto and magneto you know is easily able to like grab them he entangles them and i'm sorry i'm gonna say tentacle porn but he gets like these coils and like wraps them all up going doc ock on his ass <laughs> he goes doc ock on their asses and so gene is like you know I've seen the future. I know the kind of terrorist you become. You're a fanatic. It's not going to lead anywhere good. And Cyclops is like, Gene, he may be wearing a helmet, but you're also a really powerful telekinetic. And Gene's like, oh, you're right. Bloom takes off his <laughs> helmet. Which is something I think all of us have always thought. Like, okay, fine. You can't read his mind, but you're telekinetic. You can just lift up his helmet. Yeah, literally just a pop. Pop. And so she lobotomizes eric that's I, what I i'm she... guessing like them i those pupils are small as hell and it's just his eyes are white as can be and he just freaking literally just crashes and i'm just well because like later in the issue they're like you brought him back i'm like did he die <laughs> well not only so listen she literally mind wipes him and he falls head first on yeah. the pavement and he's Wham. literally, his eyes are wide open. His pupils are really small, as you said. And Daddy Magneto is just there like, uh. And Cyclops is like, <laughs> what did you do? You killed him. And Jean's like, no, I didn't kill him. Again, she's gaslighting Cyclops. She's like, shh, don't worry. Nothing's <laughs> happening here. Um, God, but, I would wish the panels just, just showed up where he's just, she's just, shh, shh. Like that. Like, just like whispering <laughs> to people, like, just stop talking. Um, so then we move to, you know, uh, news coverage by Trish, a star reporter, Trish, and Jean is using her powers to sway the public opinion. And that's something that, you know, she rationalizes because Xavier has done. And speaking of Xavier, he's non, none too happy with what Jean has done to Magneto. So she and the rest of the O5 are sort of on their own using Warren's inheritance money and they have this beautiful loft in Manhattan which I, I has to be billions of dollars to even have and they, has, they the lifestyle in New York is so poorly shown in movies okay. and other media I have to tell you we're trying to get an apartment back home because we moved to Miami and 
a studio apartment now is over three thousand dollars and it's like yeah, insane too much. it's too much it's like you might as well just be lighting money so how they afford this beautiful <laughs> rooftop penthouse i mean i don't know many people who can afford this even with that warren worthington money so <laughs> um but they're they're trying to uh use this enhanced cerebro to find emerging mutants and gene is able to find a hit and it's a kid in a building. She's too far away to pull him out telekinetically, but Trask has set off an explosion and it goes off and Jean tries to rescue him, but she can't. And so what happens is the same thing that happened to her when she was with Annie and she was trying to save him, but she feels him die. And it's a very traumatic experience for her, sadly. I really like how that played out too. Um, kind of like as a good uh, parallel to um, what she's done in the past when she first found her powers and everything. So it, it's a great way how Simonson played up to um, staying true to her character and everything, even though this whole issue kind of shows her sort of being corrupt and stuff. It still shows what she's trying to do is be good at heart. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, to speak about the first half of this issue, I think Simonson really plants a lot of stuff here i did record like a solo thoughts for youtube and i was like oh, i don't know if simonson understands the larger story of recent x stories but i think she understands the gene parts of it very well especially you know her history because one thing i wanted to point out in that first page and why i read all of those words is that she doesn't know how much time she has left and that's something that we find out in grant morrison's new x-men in planet x when wolverine stabs her right as they're about to hit the sun, the Phoenix consciousness is released. She says, mm -hmm. I don't know how long they'll let me stay. So, you know, we there there, there seems to be in death this hierarchy with the Phoenixes and that they report to someone and Jean is always susceptible to them. And we saw that obviously at the end of Here Comes Tomorrow when Quentin Quire is like, they told me to tell you to hurry. And, you know, and speaking of Here Comes Tomorrow, I love that Jean is looking into the past for this one moment that something went wrong because that's exactly what happens in here comes tomorrow where gene looks into the past like where did this awful future start with and it started with scott walking away from emma at gene's grave so that's why she telekinetically or telepathically excuse me pushes scott to be with emma so that's what she's doing here she's looking into her past to find that one moment where things went wrong she was better at it in here comes tomorrow because as we know spoilers for the rest of the issue this is not going to be it but yeah <laughs> she thinks it's the oh five moment and i really do like that i i think i don't know how i feel about teen gene's characterization in this first half I, th I think Teen Jean has so much growth throughout her time in the present that this sort of regresses that quite a bit. More than just a little bit. It's because, yeah, sorry, I interrupted you, but I 100% agree. That's why it was kind of weird reading this issue back because um, I've read this twice and it just like it regresses so because that's where I know Gene the most is from when the 05 came back like with Bendis's all new X-Men and everything and so like there's no development at all it's just too much regression and I get this is supposed to play out as like a what if story but like it just she just seems too br brutal in her actions in my opinion well because she would have 
she learned her lesson. I mean, she had, we had literally arcs and arcs of her mind reading people without their permission. Emma and the cuckoos went to fight with her about this. You know, we mm-hmm. have the entire battle of the atom arc where they're like, Jean will turn out evil if she doesn't, you know, check herself a little bit. Right. And it almost feels like this is a teen gene from those first five issues that had yet to learn the lesson because you yeah. think she would have been a bit more, uh, strategic with her power in, in in lieu of just becoming a monster and mind wiping someone like Eric. And also Eric in that present wasn't so much the monster that we saw in other parts of the 90s, right? Like Eric was very much on the uncanny X-Men team at that time that she was. And he wasn't as radical as someone like Cyclops who was no quote unquote radical at the time. Yeah, but um, he led their team in X Men Blue too, though. Oh and my so- God! Yes, I forgot about X Men. <laughs> Me and like the rest of the internet forgot about X. You're absolutely right. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> For once, feel- kid, you're right. Oh my God! I got to document this. <laughs> hey, it's recorded. Don't worry, you got it. Oh yeah, hell yeah! This has got to be like a spotlight on your Instagram. <laughs> this is a soundbite for the episode. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, everybody. <laughs> I'll go now. <laughs> no, I agree with you. So I, I, I think she's a bit too radical. I think she's a bit too militant. Um, I like that there's limits to her power that she can't just like she has to be within some kind of proximity to. To the kid to, to, in order to pull him with his TK. I thought that was really lovely. And like you said, I think the homage to everything that happened with Annie versus now with this kid, it really does show how Jean is dealing differently than she probably would have as a younger self. I think that's what Louise Simonson is trying to do in this situation that before feeling someone die would have killed her here. She's able to cope with it and, and propel forward. Continuing the issue, uh, so you kind of see more of Jean kind of regressing and kind of being uh, manipulating more people as the issue goes on. Like, for example, like as soon as like the as Jean takes away the feeling of death from the little kid, the scene shows the aftermath of what the explosion was. And she's able to kind of go through people's minds and say it was a gas leak explosion to all the reporters and the uh firemen and stuff and they're like thanking the x-men which we all know that would never ever happen um and so and then they go back to the most expensive base that you will ever find in new york (laughs) and they're watching trask on the news and stuff and the old five are telling uh gene gray that what gene's actions are are basically are not good not a good thing and then the sentinels come in and they basically unleash all their firepower on Warren's most expensive base that they were at for (laughs) five seconds. (laughs) And so they decide to go and find mutant kids, their first one, and basically save them before anything bad happens to them. So the first one you have is Kitty Pride, which I kind of like these like little check-ins and like you have like Sam Gunthery and stuff. And I like how they didn't take too much time in the issue to persuade them. To no. get the to get the kids, and I think that's to show that Gene can do this just on a whim, just like literally within a <laughs> literally the next panel. Like uh, you have Kitty's uh, dad saying, "My daughter, do- my daughter, a mutant? That's absurd. Get out!" And then Gene says, "I'm sorry to do this, but we have to hurry." And then he, next panel, he says, "Have fun at boarding school." <laughs> <laughs> like it's just that easy. And then like 
within this, I believe the same page. It's hard to tell within the how I'm reading this. Uh, but and then like Sam Gunther, he's literally up next, and then she changes his mind, and then he's done. So they gathered up a handful of kids and stuff to protect them, and brings them back to the school. And we see that uh, Eric is up and running again, back in his wheelchair, and they're playing chess with Charles, which is all nice and sweet and stuff. Hmm. And what's really interesting about that scene is that, and I'm curious why this beat even exists, but Xavier is like, you know, Gene, you're turning into a terrorist just like Magneto here. And she's like, I'm nothing like him. And he's like, oh, give it time, my child. Give it time. What is he gaslighting her now? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but it's a really, it's, it's really interesting to, to see that kind of conversation and comparing Gene's tactics to that of, magneto it, it's just i have feels we'll, i don't we'll, know we'll discuss when we're done kind of just maybe show like how far she's not really fallen or just how much she's trying to take control of the whole situation and not kind of letting it not play out is a wrong word to say but like being too controlling i guess i don't know yeah. kind of she is being very the, controlling she's yeah, approaching the chance control. Well, and trying to approach the chance to for mutants to be live among the humans in a wrong way. So, anyways, so after that discussion with uh, Charles, Eric, in in the at the school, uh, we see that Beast approaches the reporter Trish. What's her last? Name? Is Trish she Tibley. a character? Tibley. Yeah, is she from X Men before? Yeah, she's she's been oh, with them for a while. Not with them, but she's been a character in the series for a very long time. Okay. Great, great um, A reporting there. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, so sarcastic. Oh, I can tell. But uh, <laughs> Hank uh, grabs Trish to kind of uh, set things straight of what Trask has really been up to and everything. And during that conversation, Jean comes in and manipulates her mind. Does she lobotomize her too? And then she does the same thing with Hank, and so like her te- powers are kind of getting out of control. Mm-hmm. From what it seems like. I mean, she takes over Trisha's mind, Hank's mind, and to the point where it looks like the Dark Phoenix kind of comes out. Is that Dark Phoenix or regular Phoenix? I don't know. It's, I mean, listen, it's I, I think it's all the same. You know, it, 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 she's rendered as Green Phoenix, but it's clearly coming out from dark emotions. Well, it's a very violent nature. Like, she yeah. is like, I mean, she's... She ain't happy. Keeps on... No, she's not, because she keeps on repeating herself, because Cyclops is saying that she has gone too far with this, and she's repeating to herself that I'm not a monster. I've been trying to fix these things. I'm not a monster. I'm not here to hurt anyone. I'm here to make sure everyone is safe and every and whatnot. And she goes crazy. Like, she has people jumping out of windows, and she just lets the Phoenix go basically crazy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, she unleashes the full like force of the Phoenix and she is motivated by the I'm not a monster. I need to protect everyone. And she's like, I'm going to stop all of this anti-mutant rhetoric, right? Like she just goes through everyone. And and she says, if I'm to save them, save them Mm -hmm. all, I need to become a bigger monster. I need power. I need. And then she screams, we are one with the Phoenix. Yeah, pretty, pretty big. I would have thought that was bigger if I was more in with the Phoenix, I guess. I don't know. I, sorry, my bad. I'm still learning. Um, but then uh, Charles 
I love how Eric has his own nice little floaty wheelchair now. Now that Phoenix is basically unleashed, you have Warren, Bobby, Charles, and Eric going to go and stop the Phoenix. And they all have like their own little cerebro to prevent the peace attacks from Gene. And basically they just, it's a big old fight, big old fight scene. And does she practically, oh yeah, she practically kills them all. Yeah, so she gets into a fight. She's, you know, she's really, she wants to protect mutants. She says, shutting the door, um, their leaders have to be answered. How else can I keep you all safe? So Jean wants to keep everyone safe. And she's here, she's really agitated. And she's like, quit talking, please go away. And then she just incinerates everyone. Incinerates everybody. The entire, like, everyone. Yeah, not just the four, just everybody in general. Yeah, the entire universe. And then it kind of pans out into a white room. And, mm-hmm. you know, which is a white hot room. And Gene's like, well, that wasn't the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let's try another one. <laughs> let's try another one. And so she looks at what could be the next moment where things went wrong. And it's a space shuttle flight. And that's where the issue ends. So is that where the phoenix comes in then like where the yeah. phoenix first okay that's what i thought i wasn't 100 yeah. sure yeah so this is like the fl- the space shuttle flight where the phoenix comes to her and she agrees you know to to merge with the phoenix you know i in in story you know or sorry let's let's talk editorially from a historical standpoint gene was always meant to re-emerge from the space shuttle flight as phoenix it got mm-hmm. it got retconned to being a separate entity and then it got retconned again to be that Jean touches, you know, merges with the Phoenix and like a sliver of her soul stays in her old body and is at the bottom of the Jamaican Bay. So let's see how um, Louise is going to play it out. But I, I'm, I'm more than certain Louise will will do it justice. A um, couple of things I want to note here. Um, when Jean gets really angry at everyone and incinerates them, that's also happens in a what if Phoenix story, uh, except she does it to Kitty. She incinerates Kitty and then she gets really Ugh. worked up and she destroys the entire world um gene looking at everything and being like what happened here this entire universe you know is wrong and she kind of like erases it again that's very here comes tomorrow where she looks at the future that happens she goes i had to amputate the entire future so louise simonson has definitely read here comes tomorrow at least a handful of times (laughs) i mean some of us have um so what were your thoughts? I mean, it was only by a very famous creator. I mean, one of the best creators out there. Not being biased oh, yeah. towards them. But <laughs> wait, so I want to know, what is your overall feel on, on this issue? Um, I actually, I, I really, I really liked it. I love the art. I think Bernard Chang does uh, the, the story justice. I Agreed. really, I've always, I really am a fan of their art. They're, um, they did a Children of the Atom 2 with Fide Ayala that I really love the art to that book as well. And uh, they do a really great job in uh, bringing in like really defined lines into their characters and a really uh, interesting aspect in the shadows and everything. And I think the figures and designs of everything look uh, outstanding i think the characters look great and i love the framing of all the panels and i think it does all the characters within this era justice um with louise simonson um i really think she gets she understands the voice of gene very well i get i guess from everything that i've read so far i think she does a great job um it's a decent it's a decent uh like what if scenario and i will 
the approach of kind of of Jean kind of going through very important historical events in her life to kind of figure out what went wrong um, is an interesting approach that I think will start to be fine-tuned as each uh, issue plays out. But I think this was a decent first issue to kind of play out um, how this series is going to go forward and how Gene will most likely come back. Yeah. And um, so we know she's coming this back was, for sure. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a little long, but I don't know if like all these issues are going to be like the oversized format like this one was. I mean, usually number ones are like the additional two or four pages than what they normally are. So we'll just have to see. But uh, I dug it. I liked it. What do you think? Yeah, listen, I, I don't think it's poorly written. I, I, I don't want... Not at all. Not poorly written by any means. I just think back to the first question we had is, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from it, right? It, it, yeah, like... Like, it's yeah, just a what-if scenario. It's kind of cut away. Like, I think in Here Comes Tomorrow, we, we there there is a lesson there that we, you know, that we take away. But I remember, oh gosh, I'm forgetting one of the reviewers at the time. They had a, I, I think it was called like House of Ideas or something, reviews some guy who was also named Paul just talked about how he would rather be in the present than in here comes tomorrow's timeline. And I, I will say that is probably what I'm going to echo here. I would rather just see Gene presently in the white hot room sort of navigating oh. things than this. What if scenario? Because yeah, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away that Gene just teen Gene had a temper. Gene Gene was, you know, overrun by her need to protect everyone. And it led to well, destruction. Exactly. Because you don't peak in your teen years, you shouldn't. Yeah. And so, like, kind of showing this old school story, it kind of just it makes it feel like a throwaway issue. And if everything's kind of just her looking through a past, which can be a decent concept, but if it's just her looking in the past and saying, "Nope, this one wasn't it. Nope, this wasn't it," and then we don't find it until the last fourth issue, then I don't know. It kind of defeats any development in the series you know it's like the only issue that mattered was that last one yeah agreed with you i 100 agree you, you you vocalized it way better than i probably could have which is okay it, it's kind of cool to see these what if stories like play out but like again there's not there's not much that we're going to take away from it well, on the downside go ahead sorry no no go well, i was just going to say the downside behind what if stories you have to contain it all in one story all one comic and so it's it's hard to do a one shot like that and you're kind of constrained to just one thing or yeah. one thing you're constrained to telling a full story in one issue and that's a and you have to cover a lot in just those 20 or so pages but like a really good what if story i think in pertaining it just to gene they they have things like what if phoenix hadn't died you know they they and they pose really interesting questions that was happening in the mainstream marvel universe with this one i don't think i've ever wondered what if the o5 kept their memories you know i think it was a really satisfying and i don't i don't think there was ever an empty thread there and and again i think this just it doesn't feel like our teen Jean here. Teen Jean had definitely learned her lesson. And, and here she just, again, seems angry. And my, my question is, why doesn't she, at this point, Xavier would have met with Moira and Magneto about Krakoa, about the multiple lives. 
why isn't Gene like, wait a minute, you knew about Krakoa, you know about this thing called Krakoa very early on, I need to get this answer from you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because if we establish Krakoa earlier, then we can protect it, you know, by the time we get to Orcus. It's just something yeah. like that. Well, and I, I'm not a big fan of what if stories either. And mm-hmm. so to have this be part of the fall of X timeline or the fall of life, excuse me, for this to be part of the fall of X line event, yet it doesn't take place in the present. Like you said earlier, what the hell's the point? This yeah. just, it just feels like a note. It, I hate these nostalgia issues or miniseries that Marvel's doing. It honestly just feels like they are just trying to have as many books in the market as possible and this unfortunately to me feels like another nostalgia issue that just has the fall of x and i may be wrong maybe next issue or the issue after that might tie in more but this this issue does not tell me that yeah i mean we'll see where it goes listen i it's a strong enough start where I don't like it, but I definitely had my expectations curved. I remember last year when they were doing the Jean Grey Judgment Day tie-in, I was like, oh, they're going to lean in heavily into Phoenix and and the mythos and, you know, the marketing copy promises. They're going to answer all of our questions regarding Jean and the Phoenix, and it didn't at all. So my expectations were rock bottom for this, and mm-hmm. because they were rock bottom, I'm like, you know what? This wasn't bad at all. I actually quite enjoyed it. So, so can go I don't nowhere know but up. <laughs> yeah, I can't go anywhere but up. So I don't know. I mean, again, but I don't want to take away from Louise Simonson, who is a very talented writer. Exactly. And again, I think if we no shade to Chris Claremont, if we had brought someone in like Chris Claremont, it, we've been like, oh, the voice just doesn't work with modern storytelling. But Louise Simonson is absolutely at home here with with her storytelling. Thank, yeah. Thankfully, the it doesn't that nothing feels too dated, which is yeah. really bad when it comes to having old timey writers come in to yeah. write a modern I, story. Yeah, I mean, I just I know when Claremont comes back to write an issue, I'm like, oh god, it's just like again, it's just antiquated ways of telling a story that are no longer applicable. But Louis Simonson, yeah, I hope you have an hour it. free. <laughs> oh, I know, man, I can't go through all that dialogue, but um. I again, I'm pleasantly surprised with it. Let's see where it goes. I'm trying to think what is that moment that Jean is going to find? Is it going to be an actual moment in her history or is it going to be like an epiphany, you know, like a, a self-discovery? There like, wasn't you know what? one. <laughs> there wasn't one. I was always this powerful, wonderful human. And I was you know, always I can badass. Come back. Yeah, I was always badass. And now I can come back. And I wonder if That's there is a moment. That's kind of been the problem, though, lately is like they've kind of portrayed her as this perfect woman that is so powerful that no one can defeat which and she is powerful but there hasn't been any they don't show her with m- many flaws yeah. or at least lately and no, maybe no, no. i'm i i don't know if i'm the only one that's been saying that but i i just feel like in the her latest um especially during this Krakoa era or i guess maybe since she's returned uh, in Phoenix Resurrection that's just how she's been portrayed I think she was really great in X-Men Red. I I think she was adjusting to a world that was very different than the one she had left behind. Krakoa, I'm going to say, I don't think she's gotten enough character development in Krakoa. I think she's just sort of been an accessory. <laughs> yeah, she's just been an accessory to the scene, whether it's, you know, exchanging words with Emma or being there with Cyclops or having a menage a trois on Krakoa. 
So I, I welcome some more screen time for her. She was dead for 16 years. We had no Jean Grey stories for 16 years, almost two decades. So that sounds like hell. <laughs> I, I for me, for me, it was hell. Oh, I but, bet. <laughs> but I think I, I'm curious to see where they're going to go with her here. I, I kind of, if there was a moment, I could say that I think things went wrong. I'm going to say it was probably somewhere around ABX. I, I hope they go back to that <laughs> moment where Cyclops Editorial. turns into dark. Yeah, well, editorial, but Cyclops editorial becomes, went wrong. She comes in and goes all in, meta and takes down hit. Marvel. <laughs> but I love that. That this is why we have you on. Bravo on that. But I think that moment where Cyclops sees her and she goes, "Let go, Scott. Let's go. Let go." I think she would be like, "Maybe I should have intervened a bit more here." It, it, mm. If they acknowledge that again, it's it's kind of hard to pick which moment because as of issue three will be post Madeline prior. And she was dead for almost two decades. I I don't know what, what are you, what, what where are you tying the mythos? So if I, I would think against AVX, that moment is where I would want her to look back at it and be like, something went wrong here. The AVX Messiah mm-hmm. era, but I don't know. Let's see how it goes again. I don't know why she didn't call out Xavier for knowing about Moira and potentially Krakoa. So that would have been something if I was looking for a moment in the past to reinforce Krakoa, make sure no one dies. I'd be like, well, you guys does, knew. I mean, you guys knew about maybe, Krakoa. Well, maybe that was just an editorial thing. Well, anyway, sorry. I'm such a. I, no, I'm such a. We complain snot. about editorial all the time on here, and that is what it is. I, I, I wish they would hire editors who really do know these stories more than the readers or have a better understanding or take than the readers and then when they get caught not knowing something we turn into toxic fandom it's like no we're we just read the stories you gave us and we were so impassioned by it i Mm -hmm. i don't want to be shady but i was at an event recently and there was someone from marvel there not 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 specifically editorial but let's say one of the writers and i was shocked at how little they knew about the x-men and and they are writing X-Men. And I was like, th- not even knowing some basic broad strokes about the X-Men. And I'm not saying you need to be 100% diehard X-Men to know, but there is a problem when fans and readers know more about this shared universe, this, this IP, than the people who work on it. I, I do think, mm-hmm. I do feel strongly that they should be the ones who have a better understanding than we do. And if not, you can learn through the magic of Wikipedia right mm-hmm. like or the many writers that you're writing with or yeah. your editor you know like it's like it's it's frustrating it is a frustrating time but um yeah i mean listen this is not one of those i i there's no doubt in my mind that louise simonson knows gene cares about gene mm-hmm. and wants to tell a compelling gene story oh absolutely <laughs> all right anything else you want to cover what's going on with you tell me you're killing it on masters of comic books. Like that Instagram grew tremendously. The second I stopped fiddling with it. <laughs> no, it's just, I mean, it wasn't because of you it, that it started kind of hitting it. I mean, I wasn't even, it was just one post and then all of a sudden it started going well, but yeah, things are going great. I, uh, I'm on master comic books at master comic books on Instagram, uh, and, uh, threads, I guess. Um, but all of this, 
I don't know. But um, it's just reviews. I just do reviews and try to interact with as many people as I can, as many followers as I can. I just love reading comic books, and I love doing an analyses of them and everything. It's just really fun, and um, I'd be lost without... Um, I'd be lost without comics, and so um, I appreciate all the um, engagement that... Um, that Masters has brought me, and I've got to meet a lot of wonderful people, both creators and readers as well. And so, um, I'm just very thankful. I, I guess. love that. Oh, that's perfect, man. Um, well, anything, anything you want to plug? Anything else? You good. Uh, as of right now, no. Just uh, please uh, look at my reviews and uh, follow me on Instagram. That's about it. I mean, uh, that's all I have time for, really. Work and life gets gets in the way a lot and uh, it's hard for me to record but i i can always write and whenever i want because sometimes it just comes out of nowhere <laughs> you are my favorite human being to discuss comic books with i love you so much i love all of your reviews and i am so happy we got to talk about gene gray in great detail today everyone slide into cole l's dms at masters of comic books on instagram tell him how much you love gene gray just spam him with all your gene gray love hey i'll take it i'll consume it and then i'll be a gene gray lover <laughs> and then uh power of x-men i you know I, things happen as they happen every morning i'm like i think it'd be really great if we interview this person and then it happens so you know on the it's podcast, literally, that's how this that's how this video yeah. happened. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> let's just do, let's just review Jean Grey. But we are going to be at New York Comic Con. We're going to be discussing everything. Uh, we're going to be covering New York Comic Con in great detail. We have a couple of creators on the podcast um, coming up that we're really excited for. We were talking with some actors, but with the strike, we're putting those talks on pause until everything is resolved. So please make sure you support our actors and our writers out there. And stay tuned for some really great stuff in the future at Power of X-Men. That's it.